You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Yes, I am a character. <laughs> Mackenzie Stevens. Hey, how's it going? Hey, welcome. On the show today, we'll cover the inaugural E-NASCAR Coke Series race at the Chicago Street Course. We'll look at what can be done with the racers breaking the sporting code on race starts and wonder if Atlanta will be a blackout. And we'll show you how to find those much sought after user manuals for all your favorite cars in the service. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or a mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and products we will discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. We hope to see you there. Let's uh, kick it off with the Coke race. The Coke race at the uh, Chicago Street Course. We got a winner, a three-time winner this season now, Bobby Zielinski. And um, Parker White was actually on pole. I, I think um, Bobby was like third. And, and on the start going into one, he kind of shoved it in there on the inside uh, and, and got it to second. And then as... And and then you can't pass. I mean, that's how this track works, really, unless somebody makes a mistake. And so uh, they ran it out of fuel. And when they went to pit, uh, Bobby was able to get on and off pit road quicker than Parker, uh, just a hair. And it was enough to to take the lead coming off pit road. And uh, and it was that classic F one, you know, pass in the pits kind of strategy. It wasn't as much carnage as I kind of expected, you know, like the big pileups and all that kind of thing. So these guys are, are professionals and they and they showed it. It's a very unforgiving track for sure. It's, I mean, there were a few incidents, obviously, you know, back in the you know, back in the pack, but up front it was it was nice and pretty much clean and clean and green. Are you excited for the real race after seeing this one? And and running a few NISs? I am actually um, glad you brought that up. I really enjoy this track, uh, driving it. Um, I think this is the funnest track I've ever ha- done on. A, that's not an oval. Um, the fun factor, because it's so hard. I mean, you. I find that I have to do this ultra focus. I guess is what I call it. It's not the normal focus. It's like, man, I am up on the wheel, and then. Today, I was getting really aggressive getting into three and four, you know, trying to carry speed through there, like maybe not even get it down to second and keep it in third, you know, and, and just be, you can re, be really aggressive with it. But if you step over the line, like you said, it's unforgiving. There's nowhere to go. You're in the wall. You're done. All right. Well, how, how long do we have till the playoffs? Uh, boy, you know, I don't know. I'll have to look at the schedule for that, but, uh, it's looking to be a good one, you know. Bobby Z is going to be there again, obviously, with his three wins, and Mike Conti's in the mix, and you got Pucker Minter, uh, you know, the really strong rookie 
you know, I think he's got two wins. There's a lot of people that, uh, you know, it's going to be very competitive. Yeah, we'll see if we can get an update on the standings next week. So while we're still talking about Chicago, let's go ahead and uh, talk about this YouTube video. It's just a promotional video riding along in a car at Chicago Street Course. Yeah, and uh, it, it's a good onboard to give you an idea of what gear to be in and what corner and that kind of thing. But you really got to be out there and doing it. I, the first few laps that you do it, you're, you're not going to make a complete lap. I mean, it's just hard to get an out lap. Uh, when you initially start on a track like this, just trying to learn it and, and that kind of thing. I think I heard Denny Hamlin on YouTube say, uh, you know, he, he spent an hour and a half in the stem and couldn't get past turn four. Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't ran any laps on this track yet. I I really need to. I've just been stuck at work and too busy. But uh, I already know I'm going to struggle with it because I struggle with any of the the road or the street courses in this cup car. So, but I am excited to give it a try. It looks really, re looks really difficult and technical. So it looks fun though. And the skyline, you know, is distracting to say the least. Like when I was initially got the track, I kept missing the braking zones cause I was looking up at the buildings and stuff and kind of going, wow, you know, and that kind of thing. Uh, and so when you're driving this thing, you really got to focus. Now, I believe one of our teammates is actually going to get to see the race in Chicago. Isn't Tyler there? Uh, no, I think Justin was going. Oh, that's right. I thought I could have sworn it was Tyler. I saw him post Maybe Tyler, too. Or no, Tyler was at something last week, I think, actually. I don't know. I, I, I get mixed up. Anyway, well, that puts a little bow on Chicago. This next one it goes right along the lines with uh, when we talked about our wish list a few years, a few weeks ago. Um, Dario Frantini, not Frankiti, he asks iRacing, when will we do a rework of the rolling starts for road course racing? And um, he points out that the that this the the road courses, except for the NASCAR ones, don't have the restart zone. So the leader has this big big open area that they can go, and it can create chaos. Um, and then he also brings up how much worse it is even for the multi class racing because uh, your GT class and your LMT, LMP2 class or are starting in the middle of the last turn of the, of the or race instead of starting at the start-finish line like they would in, the, um, in real life. Yeah, it's needed, you know. It, it, there's a lot of people in this uh, thread that basically weigh in talking about how it should be done and hey this is how we do it in this country this is how we do it in australia this is what we do in europe and so there's a lot of discussion that's for sure um i think just the restart zones would help and i wish they could incorporate i wish they would upgrade the the multi-class to where there's a pace car for each uh class that would that would really solve that because it's it's just crazy to be at Le Mans, the GTs are not even out of the S's when the green flag comes out, the por or the Porsche curves, I mean. So uh, then they're going to race while packed in tight, two by two through those through those those last chicanes, the four chicanes. It's a so it's um it's an issue. It's definitely something they need to have on their radar and work on. Look, I don't. I don't know about the additional pace cars because 
that is problematic. How do they pull off? Where do they pull off? There's not a you're there, they're not a pit road, you know. You, well, they pull off at the same time. You have a separate green flag for each class. Oh, and so you're saying have all classes start in the same spot on the track? Yeah. Not at the same time. That's what the real boys do. I see. So yeah, so that would be a rework for iRacing for sure to rework that. But you think it would be doable? And whether they have a real pace car or just go ahead and have and have a, a have the uh, I don't know if they don't have the pace car, then the gap is not always consistent, and the gap the gap won't matter as much if uh, there has a pace car. They get into arguments sometimes in the G class or the GT class if they're gapping too much or not because it affects where they end up starting on the track. So you can decide, do you want to start right in the corner or do you want to start right in the straightaway based on how far you lay back? So why can't iRacing, you know, a compromise might be, so everyone goes on green, but that second class that's that's laying back, they get the uh, messages on the screen like we're getting in the oval series for the front row currently as you're approaching the green hey you're going too fast you're going too slow this is the pace speed you need to catch up you're not in the right zone you know and it coaches that front row of the second class of where they need to be and when they need to go that would be just as good as having the pace card there it could basically make each class leave enough of a gap and and get, right. and and then have the the different green flag for each class yeah that would, that would maybe a, a green red thing or something that shows hey you're too far away from where you need to be or you're too you're too far ahead or something and you have to get in this zone that they have that's kind of a moving zone i don't know and being it'd be neat to hear if they, if they have this on their radar or not but something they do need to have on their radar pretty soon is lights at atlanta take it away mac um yeah so it's it's a iRacing forum post by uh, Jaden Mizell, and he says, uh, guys, 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 the Atlanta Motor Speedway night race is coming up, and I don't think we have lights installed at the track in the sim. If you want a realistic, yeah, you can't be ignoring things like this. Add lights, boys. Do better, please. So uh, I've never actually noticed that there's no lights at this track. I've never actually paid attention to that. Well, you have to set the time of day to nighttime, I guess, in a session. And you'd go in, it'd be like dark. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you really want to learn the track just by feel, that'd be the way to do it. Just running in the dark where you can't see anything. I tell you what, it's a lot of fun. It reminds me of running hosted at Talladega where there's no lights in the Cadillacs with the headlights. And so you got 40 Cadillacs all with headlights and it's almost enough to race with all the headlights, but it looks pretty cool uh, on a dark track with those cars going around. Well, I don't remember if it was a league race or some random hosted race, but we were in stock cars at a track and ran out of daylight and literally could not see each other and had to and finish had to finish the race. Yeah, that, I've done that too. That's pretty cool. With some host, you know, in a you know, doesn't quite figure out the timing right. You know, when he started the race and how long it is and. Does the track have lights? You know, there's all these factors. All right. So we talked about this last one, basically almost last week as well. Uh, Don Riffero was asking if meatball cars should get their position back. And it goes right back to the same thing about if they are significantly slowed down and, and 
all the cars have gone past them should they even get their position back because it's causing people to not be able to pit or get black flags, right? Yeah. Well, the reason I added this to the script, though, David, is we actually got a staff response on this one uh, from Michael Hinkle, who's staff member. He said, uh, hello, Dan. Uh, this has been a long-standing issue, and I know it has been discussed several times. I have asked the devs to take a look at this problem and the race control problem to see if there would be a reasonable, good solution. We could stop users from receiving black flags for cars that are heavily damaged. Hopefully, they can come up with a solution that will work without also causing the possibility for abuse. Thanks for sharing. So that's cool. That means they put it into their bug tracker software kind of thing. You know, they're project software that they use to manage what gets worked on and what doesn't. Um, basically, they they gather all this stuff in a list, basically, and then, you know, they sit down every so often and they figure out what they're going to work on. So it's good to know that this is on the list. Uh, the simplest fix would be to increase the uh, or decrease the tolerance of how much pace you have to lose before you lose your spot in line. Right, you get to blend in instead of getting your spot back, right? Yeah, because it will literally, if they're a half a lap behind, that means they basically were almost to a stop. And if they're a half a lap behind you while you're going in under caution, boom. There's another pro other thing that they could do, too, that would help this. Make the pace car, like they do in real life, wait on the leader. Right. Okay. I, in iRacing, it, it comes out, literally the flag comes out, and if, if the leader has just passed the start-finish line, and but is far enough ahead, the, he has to basically race another lap to catch up with the pace car. Um, and and it, that exacerbates the situation. If you at least make the pace car wait on the leader, people will have more time to get lined up to come into the pits. Is it going to make the cautions a little longer? A little, but it's it's slightly random because there are some times when the pace car, the leader actually has to stop and wait on the pace car, and so the the pace car should wait should should come out when as the where it's going to come out right in front of the leader every time, instead of coming out when the leader has just passed him. That that's another solution. I think if a yellow comes out, they need to have your positions based on blend rule, unless like you have a formula where. Okay, I, I was in third position when the yellow came out. If I fall below sixth or seventh, you know, four positions back, automatically I won't get my position back no matter what. And if I do rejoin, it's going to be a blend. It's not going to be get your position back. It's, I mean, it, it could be as simple as that. Well, if you're at a, if you're at a super speed wave, six, six cars could pass you just because you broke half a second earlier or, or 0.2 seconds earlier. Um, it is based on how much speed you lose, whether you stop or not. Basically, almost if you slow down enough to bring the caution out. Um, and I think they just need to make it less tolerant of, of speed loss. If you get this much slower, then you don't get your spot back. I think we I got do. a theme going this week. Yeah, it's it's um minor eye racing gripes for sure, right? Um, which requires our disclaimer: we wouldn't be talking about this if we obviously didn't love eye racing. And so I always, even though I will speak about what I want to see changed, it's it's I'm not, I'm definitely not planning on going anywhere else or 
I still think it's the best thing out there and they do listen. So we, um, we're definitely not like, Oh my God, I racing sucks. I do like, uh, David's idea on having the, the pace car wait on the leader. Cause I also think that would fix the problem of everybody racing that extra lap and then not slowing down in time. Cause I've had it multiple times where I'm slowing down, getting up to the pace car and someone just plows into the back of me for no reason. There's been a few times when I basically have had to make a green flag pit stop because we were so far behind the pace car that we basically went, had to go, went full speed and had to come in as if it was still green flag and slow all the way down. It, yeah, it just takes one guy, you know, screwing around and everybody behind him is screwed. So speaking okay, of guys speaking screwing of screwed. around, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Will Ford has a video showing a guy who clearly lays back, jumps to start, and gains six positions. I, I, I've watched this. And this is protestable, and you get the stock message saying that the person has been informed of the result, and you never know how many times they've done it or if it's their first offense. If it's their first offense on almost anything, even intentional wrecking, they are going to get a warning. I can tell you right now, just about unless it's non-inclusive language, that that's about the only thing that they won't give you a warning on. Um, anything else that any racing incident, if it's the first time you've ever done it, if it's cause you're blinking or it's, or even if it's, if you cuss somebody out, wreck somebody on purpose, um, unless it's something so blatant, I don't know about running the wrong direction on, on track, but pretty much you get a warning the first time, but it's just with the way the protest system is, you never, we really just never know what, what everybody is getting. Um, I do know that I, I protested somebody in a, in a, in a, uh, stock car race for doing this exact same thing and, and forcing it three ride right off the bat by jumping the restart. So it, it is protestable and it's against the sporting code. So I want to talk about a little bit where this line is that where what's legal, what's not, because what this guy did in this video was he timed it where his speed would be much higher than the cars in front of him when the green came out or as they got to the line. And so he was like exponentially faster because he just started, he hit the gas earlier. Now that's a, a really a jump to start protestable item as David said. Now in ovals, it's a little bit, there's some finesse to it. Like if I'm third car on the inside and we're approaching the green, the restart zone, and the guy in front of me is in fourth gear or something, and he doesn't go, the green flag comes out. I can go to the right of this guy and go around him, and that's legal, and that's not jumping to start. I might be taking him three wide as we cross the line uh, and going by him, but uh, I, I think that's okay. So, uh, but, but the difference is my speed at the time of the green flag is the same as the speed in the guys in front of me. That's the difference. You got to maintain the pace speed up until the point of green to be legal. Now, once the green is out, all is, all is good. I mean, you just go. And now, if you go to the left, if you pass to the left, you will get a black flag. You always have to pass to the right, at least an oval. And the way you main, make sure that you maintain that speed is you stay up close on the cars. You're not allowed to stay one, two, three, four, five car lengths back so that you can get that running start. And that's, that's what, that's what you have to basically show when the protest is that they laid back. 
if if you're if you're right on their bumper when the green comes out and they slip up, you and you didn't lay back, you're you're in you're not jumping the start. All right, this guy he was he was already on the gas before the green came out, and beforehand he was at least three car lengths behind where he was supposed to be. Yeah, we've all been in those oval races where. You know, we're coming to the, there's been a caution, we're going around, we're on the one to go, we're coming to the green. And that one guy who had came off pit road, you know, on the one to go, and he's got a head of steam, he doesn't even slow down. He just flies in as everyone goes green and he just goes by a 10, 15 cars and he's up in the middle of it. I've seen that so many times. That's also referred into in that same line in the sporting code because Dave talked about it or Will talked about it in the, uh, in the video. Um, what I see more is they're already in line. They may be like third or fourth in the line. And right before you come to the restart zone, suddenly there's two car links opened up. They slow down so that then they can then jump early and get a run on you. And that that's plain and simple illegal. Now you don't, you don't know how, how much they're going to punish it because it, it's not as bad as intentional wrecking um, or anything along those lines, but it is cheating. Now, do you think a way to fix this could be uh, do what they do with the guys on the front row with the have the speed up on the screen and have that for everybody? And then if they go too far down or too far up, you give them a black flag for it? Or I like that. Yeah, it's a great it's not, idea. It's not a terrible idea. I don't know how easy it would be to implement and if it would cause – if it would have unintended consequences or not. Um, but it, it, w- it would be nice if the game could track if you're laying back too far. Um so yeah yeah start squawking at you you know or something if hey you're too you're back too far you're back too far you know or something like that you almost wouldn't even have to do like the the too slow it's you'd be they'd be able to see if you're way over the speed before the green came out and that'd be the main thing like if you want to sit way back just to sit back okay just don't do that jump before the green comes out which i have done Especially yeah. if, if I'm the last car, if I get in one of the really stupidly high strength of field LMP races, or not, they're not LMPs anymore, GTP races, and I'm like car 11, uh, I'm the 11th ranked LMP, and I choose not to qualify and just start behind everybody, and then I'm all wrecked first, I'll lay back, but I won't even go on the green. I'll just let them get two seconds ahead of me and then start going. Uh, just make sure that I go enough so that the LMP2 field doesn't catch me. So... Th- Maybe they, it really just needs to be protestable. And, and sometimes I almost think iRacing should um, maybe not publicly shame somebody, but this is something the majors used to do occasionally. The guy's not around anymore, unfortunately. I believe he passed. But he would um, he would go in and, uh, and erase the paints in an incident, okay, make them just solid white, and then explain why one was at fault instead of the other. So he'd make it all anonymous and say, all right, this person was guilty. So it'd be neat if they threw up some anonymous posts, posters of shame. Don't say who it is, but say, hey, this person got this for that. Just, just make us understand that, that it's being dealt with a little bit better. Well, and use it as a learning example, you know, as people see, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing that either. All right, we, we can move away from the gripes a little bit and talk about Road and Track, who posted an online Twitter story covering the best sim racing games. Yes, this just uh, was came out today, I think. A late add to the script, and I did uh, skim through this article. It is a long-form uh, article at roadandtrack.com. 
and he talks about all the different sim titles available um and he had some good things to say about iRacing specifically. He ranked it the best overall sim racing game. But up against, you know, Codemasters, Formula One 2023, R-Factor 2, uh, Assetto Corsa, and then Project Cars 3. I just recently saw a post in one of the Facebook groups where somebody was talking about how they came over from a set of courses to iRacing and didn't think the physics were realistic. And and then some other people were like, first of all, do you actually drive a race car? Because real race car drivers say is pretty close. And um, he's probably just used to the characteristics of ACC and how it reacts to certain things. So, all right, I'm going to read a quote um, that he taught when he talks about the uh, best overall sim. Quote, what's it? iRacing apart from the crowd, though, is it is competitive. It is the competitive ecosystem. The iRacing community is a melting pot of enthusiasts and professional racers. And the ranking system ensures you're matched with drivers of a similar skill level. It's not just about turning laps. It's about racing culture, sportsmanship, and the ongoing development of your skills. The official series and special events, some which even allow you to qualify for real-world races, provides an experience beyond just playing a game. It's an ongoing virtual racing career. If you're looking to challenge yourself against the best and are willing to invest both time and resources, iRacing is the pinnacle of sim racing. And something that reinforces what he just said there, think about that other race in France where the field was basically invite-only, Right. Whereas in the 24 here, any of the 24s, you get you get in by either qualifying or I rating, right? Depending on whether it's the league version or the real version. Okay. And so it doesn't matter if you're a popular streamer or a real life racer, you still have to, to earn your, t your ticket to that top split event. Yeah. Everybody can race it too. I mean, everybody, it's open to the, to the public, you know, so to speak. And, and yeah, Max Verstappen is, is racing with us. And he runs top split. What is he? Seven, 8,000 I rating and comes in and just dominates anytime he's in there. All right, Mac, what do we got on this uh, next article? Something about a manual page. Yeah. I racing brought out, um, well, I don't know if they just brought it out, if this is something that was already out, but it's a, it's an iRacing user manual page. So it goes through and you can go through all the, all the cars and all the series and uh, click on them and read through. And it'll tell you details about the car, give you a, give you ways on what to do to set them up and whatever your thing does. And I think this is actually really cool. If you want to go in and learn more about each car and basically how it works and how to do the setups and everything too. Yeah, I remember they started this a while back and only had a few cars, but this the list is pretty extensive now. Uh, 32 is what I just counted, roughly. And uh, so they got up to 32 different cars. Like you said, Mac, if, if you're doing setups, you almost have to start with something like this to, to get the basics, you know. But yeah, the oval cars, A, B, and C, late model stock and street stock. And that's at iRacing.com slash resources slash user dash manuals slash. Yeah, and I did go looking at the slash resources to see if there were other pages besides the user manuals, but no, there wasn't. Uh, 
but uh yeah pretty cool that they're they're still poking the, uh this or they're still knocking this out every time they put out a car now they're they're putting out a manual with it uh i see my uh fia f4 uh car has a manual now and, and so i need to take a look at that and if you look on that manual on the manual page you'll see a lot of gt3 cars and that kind of brings us up to the events section because the next major iRacing event is the iRacing 24 hours of spa it's uh, held at Circuit de Spa Francorchamps, and it is on July 21st through 23rd. And, the, and almost everything else is the usual that we cover every time. 22, 7, 12, and 16 GMT starts. 24 hours D4.0 road class. 30-minute warm-up. 15 minutes for qualifying for four laps. That's a little different. 24-hour uh, race with dynamic, dynamic attached. Split by i rating um and there's no dq limit but you get a hundred incidences and then every 20 for, before you start getting drive-throughs and it's all gt3 cars yeah it's it, this one's all gt3 car field size 50 they'll put out why yeah, oh gtps i don't get it this race is just a gt3 race traditionally oh i see so 24 hours of spa how does that rank in the other 24-hour races of the year? I mean, you got Le Mans, you got Daytona at the top of the list, but what's next? Probably Spa. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. People don't get as excited for Bathurst. Um, or there are, Nürburgring is a very niche group. Uh, we, I didn't even try it because I still don't know that track very well. Um and that's all the twenty regular twenty four hour races, right? Anything else it happens to be in that that special series that some people may show up for, or or not. That and the the endurance championship that's been dropped to Class C and switched from six hours to twenty four hours. So yeah, it's probably the third of the of the big twenty four hour races. Sebring is real popular, but it's only twelve hours. And we've got one more event. We have the race for more two point four. Yeah, just a reminder, we talked about this already, but that's the uh, benefiting the MS Society, uh, August 3rd, 2.4 hour race. Uh, it's a nice little event, you know, to run solo on. Uh, 2.4 hours is like a stint, you know, if you're in an endurance team. So if you're normally uh, running endurance, um, this is a kind of a fun one to run by yourself. It's about the same time frames. But yeah, get in on that one. So that's the week after the spa. Does this one have a a minimum uh, safety rating for, or like, is it a deep 4.0, or is it anyone can run it? I think it's an open event because it's a fundraiser kind of thing. So I think it's anybody. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. They got GTP, GT1, and the Toyota GR86. Now. You just cued the circus music if you heard what I just said. They're going to run GTPs at the same time as a Toyota GR86? How's that going to work? It's really fast car, really slow car. Which track was it at? Uh, <laughs> circuit, oh, Le Mans. It's at Le Mans. Okay. Um, in the S's, it'll be death. In the straightaways, no big of a deal. But... It, yeah, but in the straights. Yeah. No, no GTP is going to want to sit behind a G, an 86 in the S's because they would lose 10 seconds 
that lap. So yeah, that that I gotta I gotta at least watch this if not participate. I may so, go I may go in in the eighty six just for the less. In this kind of uh, event, I always wonder what kind of eye racer is the one that's picking the GR eighty six. They're like, man, I want to run the slow car. You know, I always when I run multi-class stuff like this or, you know, road course stuff, I always want to be in the fastest car. I want to go for the overall win. I don't want to be in the dead slow. I'm a, I'm in the way. I enjoy being in the GTE. Unfortunately, it's going away in the Le Mans series because, um, first of all, it was the, that Ferrari was just always, it was one of my first sports cars and it was always so fun to drive. I just, I like, and I like how the GT class GTE class handles better than the GT three. So there's people who will want to run it. There's people who will feel like they're not experienced enough for the fastest car. And there, there is a different skill set because you have to have crazy reflexes in the GTP that you don't necessarily have to have in the 86. But then at the 86, you probably have to be a little bit smoother. Uh, the next one was the uh, reminder about the racing prodigy open cup challenge uh, where you can learn, earn a ride in a real radical car at Atlanta. Um, and it, this is a time attack, if if I remember right. So you have to go into iRacing, find time attack, and then you'll see it. You run a few laps. If you're uh, fast enough, you uh, move on to the next level. Yep, and instead of like a forum post, this is a quick promo 30-second uh, video t uh, telling you which track they're going at. and uh, It's pretty pretty nice little promotion. And then we got another event, the Open Wheel World Championship. Sponsored by Turn Racing. They got a sponsor. That's awesome. So it's a qualifying series and uh, schedule is out. They also put out a video to kind of highlight the uh, the Delara uh, Jet Car Series is what I call it. Remember, we talked about the schedule before. It was traditional like F1 tracks, but then they stuck Pocono in there, right? So that starts July 6th through August 17th. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see if how busy Brian is, and we'll probably try to catch some of these races and and hopefully talk about them on the show. I definitely want to watch the oval race. And how about these cars? Wouldn't that be fun to watch these cars at Chicago Street Course? You've got the jet car. You should try it at the street course. See how how different it feels compared to the Cup car. Yeah, I know the track really well now after a hundred laps. Podcast housekeeping, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Get on Discord and find iRacers Lounge and you'll be part of the discussion. And you can check the script out at iRacersLounge.com for all the links. You can also see us at Performance Motorsports Network. All right, my goal in fantasy to finally make it into the top 10, um, at least in one week. Well, it still hadn't happened. Uh, I keep, I guess I'm going to just have to pick five favorites. You know, everybody's like, oh, you got to save whatever this or that. Try to pick your strat. The strategy's not working. Trying to pick a couple of underdogs and, and strike. It's not working for me. 
But who it is working for is TG1 Racing, who took took first this week with Cletus 45 and Fat Boy wrapping up the podiums, Nikki Bobby and Canadrian wrapping up the top five. And that changed the overall points. Uh, Canadrian takes the lead for Mason Racing by only 29. I thought he did. But was it last week? Yeah. Yeah. It's real tight up front for the overall championship. Yeah, so we'll, we'll call out the standings backwards. In a tie for ninth, iRacing Mason and TGI Racing, or TG1 Racing. Uh, in eighth, ResDog. Seventh, GI JoJo 24X. Probably a Gordon fan, maybe. Uh, NASCAR Jedi 2 is in sixth. Trick Dickel is in fourth, fifth. Uh, North South Racing is in fourth. I think he went to the University of Southern North Dakota. Um, and then in third, Louder Racing, second, Mason Racing, and leading the points is Canadrian. So, surprises at Nashville, Ross Chastain's back. Yeah, it's kind of funny when everybody last week was like, oh, they've neutered Ross Chastain. Now he's driving slow. And, and then he turns around and wins the race. And did I have him in my roster? Nope. No, I had Kyle, Kevin, Kyle, Brad, and Chase Briscoe. Do you lose extra points for Chase's wreck at the end of the race? Ouch. Now, what about Chicago? I was talking to you guys earlier today about Shane Van Gisbergen, and I've raced him before in NIS at Sonoma probably three or four years ago, he, he would can't come on NIS only for Sonoma, and he happened to be the same I rating as me. So he would come in there and lap the field, like everybody, up through second, um, and, and really show off. He, he is a true iRacing alien. And I was surmising today, man, I always wanted to be able to take an iRacing alien, like a proper one, and dump him in a real race car like at the top level and, and see if they can win the race. And you know what, this, this weekend, that exactly setup is what's happening. We are putting an iRacing alien into a cup car with the track house racing. That happens to be a great team that just literally won last week. So I, I am a high on Shane Van Gisberg and I am really rooting for him this week. Um, and I hope he does iRacing proud. It'll be a great story to watch. I think I've, I think he has a good chance of having a good showing. Um, we know that there's no lo- longer such a thing as a road course ringer at this point. All of these guys have honed their road course racing skills, probably on iRacing. Um, and you just don't see the ringers coming in and, and making them look bad anymore. So I don't think he's got a shot at the win or anything like that. This is definitely going to be a very wild cardy race because, like you mentioned in when we were getting ready for the to start of the NIS race, one car gets stuck in the middle of the track and and it's it's trouble. The only good news for them is they can just come to a stop because they know a caution is going to come. Whereas we we have to try to get through it as quick as we can. Yeah, I watched um, Shane Van Gisbergen on YouTube. Uh, he was on. Um somebody's podcast some driver's podcast i forget who it is Corey lajoy is that who it is anyway uh he was interviewing shane and shane said he's, he's done a lot of laps around the track on iRacing 
Um, he's done the the simulator at the at the race shop as well. And then later this week, he's on to the Chevy simulator to do some more laps. Yeah, I don't know if it's a, it's a, is it a is he have a chance to win? It depends on if he gets pole. I think qualifying is everything, guys. I mean, you cannot pass at this track. The, the winner is going to come from probably the top three in Q. I think uh, I think Tyler Reddick has a good shot. I've noticed he's been pretty quick at every road course or uh, not road. Yeah, road course that they've been doing. So I think he's got a good shot to win it, too. Living large or strapped for cash, it's all good at Metro Ford Chicago. Metro Ford delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com or call the owner, Patrick Milligan, 773-983-3166. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 Five years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right. Thank you to Metro Ford for sponsoring the hardware software section. Let's open up with the Moza R12 plus Moza KS. There are new additions to their lineup for a direct drive and a wheel. And I remember you posting this. This is a Formula One style wheel, right? Uh, wait, another wheel from Moza? I mean, how many do they have? That's what I was thinking. Wait, did I miss something? First of all, if you scroll down, you're going to see video after video after video of these new products. Um, they really have it down with the sim racing hardware reviewer community on YouTube, where you, they're getting these guys the hardware ahead of time. They announce it on a day on a certain day. And these videos, the review videos, come out all on the same day at the same time. Uh, and so he had the Sim Pit. They had Boosted Media, Will Ford. And then what was this other one? Lawrence Dusawa. And so three of the big ones uh, all put out videos on the base. I don't remember the exact numbers, but they have the, the 5, the 9, and now the 12. And I think the 15 and the 20 or something like that. There's so many different bases at Moza. And so why the 12? I mean, some of these videos talk about that's the perfect amount for most sim racers is 12 Newton meters. And that's what Will, Will Ford was saying. More than 12 is usually overkill, at least for him. And so he thinks the 12 is like a perfect number because of that. What is, what is, I don't even remember what mine picks that out. 20, I think, right? You're 20. Yeah, mine's 25, my new one. But I don't ever run it. Well, the only one that I have it maxed out is in the next gen car because you can barely feel the, the wheel, wheel on the next gen car. Um, so I don't know. I like having the 20 on that particular car. And, uh, yeah, I was just going to say there's also a formula wheel that came out at the same time. And it's your typical, you know, Moza formula wheel. I think when uh when I started looking to get a wheelbase, I think this might actually be one that I look at cuz I don't know how much how high I really need to go and it's it's actually at a pretty decent price point. And I think that'll be something that intrigues a lot of people is the price difference if, to go from their nine to their 16 is like $400. And this one's just below 
a right in between. So I think this will, a lot of people will probably go for this if they want to go higher than the nine. Right. Yeah. I mean, they really put a, a base at every price point, like you said, and every uh, Newton meter that you would possibly want. Um, I, it's amazing how many different options there are from just three years ago. I mean, uh, it, the market has really exploded. I don't know. If I was buying today, though, Mac, and starting over, Ace Attack. I mean, I really like what Ace Attack's doing. You can actually get into their cheaper base they have and then upgrade later. Like, not with, like you can pay extra for the big, bigger power supply and they give you a new PCB board to install, but you don't have to change the motor. But you can upgrade after the fact. So you can get in at a cheaper rate get going and then later down the road upgrade. So you might check Ace Attack. I mean, we know that they're using the, the SimiCube uh, int intellectual property. So they're very similar to SimiCube, which is the gold standard now. Um, but, but with them having the same thing, I mean, you got to put them in the same category. Yeah, that's true. And I we, didn't think of that. Being able to upgrade rather than buying a whole new base is definitely a huge advantage. And we talked about their new quick releases last week, I think, um, that they're working on, too, that are pretty bomb. All right. Up next, we have iRacing TV app. This is going to be really interesting for any of you who like to dabble in the broadcasting world. Uh, it comes from Marvin Herbold, and he's created an app that mimics the NASCAR leaderboard display. It can work off live telemetry or replays. And he's also working on some logic where it will automatically... Just uh, basically use AI to decide which camera to watch. So it's, he's trying to basically work on an AI producer for broadcasts. This is cool. I threw this up in the chat, hoping somebody would try it. I don't think anyone did. I, I just haven't had time or whatever to, to look at it, actually install it, figure it out. But there is a code available for download for iRacing TV. And I think somebody should check this out because it looks pretty darn cool. He has some screenshots of what it looks like. It looks like, you know, your your typical, you know, iRacing broadcast. But can you imagine if it was all automated? Now, the other thing I understand after reading this a bit is it works while you're racing. Like you can have this going, it's live, or you can run it on a replay. So you can either do it live or on a replay. Yeah, I did catch that at the beginning. Um, I would be interested in seeing how well he develops the uh, auto camera system. That would be, that would be neat. To pick up on the right action, you know, that's going on. Yeah. So is this only something that would be used for broadcasting or can you have this while you're actually racing? You could use the leaderboard overlay on a stream if you wanted to. There's other lead, there's a lot of, this is not the first leaderboard style broadcasting one. This is just specifically designed to look like the, is that what it looks like on NBC or Fox? I only listen to radio, so I'm not sure. Kind of an NBC look, but um, I think you could run this while you're actually racing. Like for example, I'm on my triples racing. I could put it up on the fourth monitor or up on the TV. I used to have my computer hooked to the big 55 inch TV on the wall. And so it'd be something like that. So, you know, other people in the room could see the broadcast as you're racing. I think it'd be cool if it works that way. Yeah. If you were going to broadcast yourself while live racing, you'd have to have two accounts. 
and some people do do that so that they can well, podcast both use live. But the, I think this tool doesn't need a second account. You run this right on your sim racing computer. Yeah, but you can't. And I'm just saying. You can't see. I'm not saying stream view. it. You can't see a third person view while you're racing. That's what this software does. You can't see it. You can't change cameras when you're in the car. Oh, I see what you're saying. So why does it say that you can do it while you're live racing? If you're not in the car, you can change cameras. If you, oh, so if, if you're just a broadcaster, car, if you're just a broadcaster or you're using a second account, you can watch any camera you want. So I see what you're saying, second account. So you could say, okay, so I'm going to have my race computer and then I have a broadcast computer and it's on the big TV and that has a second account and it's on this AI iRacing TV. So nobody actually has to switch cameras. Yeah. And Pretty you cool. could, you could also, you could, you could feed one feed video to the other video and have um, your webcam, your in-car view, well, I guess, or you could just have it switch between in-car view, but you could at least have your in-cam on there. You could with with OBS, you could do you could combine them both, pretty pretty handily. This is in the forums, guys. If you want to try it, iRacing TV app is the search. All right. So if you want to take a a cheap uh, direct drive and make it more expensive, what do you do? Well, this ain't a cheap one. <laughs> this is that thousand dollar Thrustmaster, right? It's, well, I'm, I'm, I'm giving away my bias here, right? I get what he's saying. You, uh, you take the cheaper, cheaper uh, wheelbase and then put the Ferrari logo on it, and that price tag goes way up. I guess it, did it only go up by a hundred this time? Because this one is listed at at eleven hundred, basically. Yeah, I think it's a hundred more for the red the Ferrari red with a yellow. Uh, dancing horse uh, emblem on it but man you gotta love that ferrari red looks good looks sharp it definitely is a lot less of a markup than if you actually buy a ferrari look people have had good you've said good things about this wheel but you can't like put other kind of rims on it it has to be a thrustmaster rim you have to yeah. drill holes to mount it it doesn't have any standard holes for mounting etc um this the opinion of this person is it's the weakest of just about all the entries into the market it is i mean this doesn't stack up to me at all to like the moza lineup that we just looked at even like the moza 9 or uh or, or even the new 12 we just talked about i mean would be way better than this but it's there if you want the ferrari logo on there um it it looks pretty next up we have a turnkey rig mckenzie yeah, it's uh the podium P1 sim rig. So it's uh it's turnkey. Um it's $32,000. I can't see what's all on it here. We lost the link, but um I found it again. Yeah, 32,000. They call it the P1 sim rig turnkey the best in parentheses. And uh it's got D box uh Massive triples, looks like 55s maybe. Yeah, it's a nice looking rig. Now, this guy I've talked about in the past a little bit, and I follow him on socials. Um, he's out of Nashville, and he's selling rigs like crazy, like hotcakes. Like he puts up these videos of his little warehouse or his little work area, 
and he, he literally can't walk through the room because he's got three guys 24 hours a day assembling rigs that are going out the door. He like puts them together and then they, they sell them, you know, turnkey. And so he has no shortage of business, even though these prices seem outrageous. Um, but kind of doing what Lawrence was talking about doing where you, you know, sell a whole turnkey rig. This guy's doing that. Yeah. Part of the value with Lawrence's deal is they all actually come out and help you set it up. Right. I wonder if this yeah, guy I think that's what guy these guys do. Yeah. They do that too. I think. But he, I think he even had a rig out at the Na uh, Nashville race uh, recently, last week, in, in somebody's booth or something. All right, let's talk button boxes, because I'm, I'm uh, just wow on this next one, right? That's the one I have, David. That's why I put this on here. Ah. Because the Sim Racing Den actually called it the best button box I've ever pressed. No, he said the best button I've ever pressed. That's what he said about the ignitioncontrols.com button box. Um, this one is a variation of the one I have, um, but very similar. Does it have that style of button? Because that, that's kind of what caught my eye, is the, the kind of in depressed, the, the concave button instead of convex? No, those are new. Um, so, so that is a new uh, button that I don't have on mine. You're right, that those push buttons are uh, a different design. It kind of got a, a small circle in the middle. I don't know if those illuminate. I think they do. But the beauty of this box is how thin it is. It's all metal. There's no plastic, okay? It's metal. Um, the buttons are top-notch. I've had no problem. I contacted the guy and said, look, he had some with red buttons. And I was like, you know what? I'm going for a blue theme. And he's like, no problem. I'll make it make it happen. And he, he made me a custom ignition controls box that nobody in the world has that has blue on it. Um, $255 uh, US. I think if I remember right, this is from Poland. The guy is from Poland. The, the only thing is I like my layout, but I would love those that, that button design. I definitely like my layout because it's more horizontal, less vertical, which is particularly handy for uh, racing in VR. I mean, it even has an on-off button for the LEDs. Uh, it's got um, a pit limiter with a flashing LED. And then the actual big old red ignition button. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really neat to flip the switch and push the button in, and it starts like a real car. It's pretty cool. I mean, look, when I decided what components to put on this rig, I researched, man. I did lots of research, and this is the best button box I could find. And 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 Sim Racing Den, you know, they put out this recent video this week, and they basically agreed with me, which I really, you know, rubs my ego a little a little bit that somebody else actually agreed with what I came up with. So I dropped the C word earlier, right? I said cheap. Um, this one though may not be cheap, but it is the least expensive drive, right, Mac? Yeah, it's, uh, it's the, the Camus C5. I know we've talked about it before, but, um, there's, uh, still more videos coming up about it and, there's a lot of lot of good reviews that I've been seeing about it. It's a uh, $250 with the five newton meters of torque. I think it's supposed to be actually for sale on their website 
as of about a week ago, I think. So I think you can actually go buy it now. It looks pretty cool for entry level. Uh, I remember when we first saw it, we couldn't tell if there were pedals or paddles or not, paddles or not, but there are. You can see them in this video, um, which makes it a really nice deal, especially for entry level. You know, I would I would love for somebody starting off to get this instead of one of the old uh, uh, Logitech G twenty sevens or so. They, they'd be golden, I think. So I'm on their website right now. You can get the wheel with pedals for $300 right now. It's 25% off. So that's got to be right around the same price as the Logitech anyways, isn't it? Yeah. And is that foot pedals as well? Yeah, that's with the pedals. Yeah. That's, um, uh, and this is an actual review. Did anybody watch this one? Well, it's, YT Greeks Geek Street, which isn't a sim racing channel, it's more of a tech channel, I think. But they picked up on it and were showing it off, you know. And I thought it was a neat video; you could see it in action. But man, you're right. If you're entry level, this is the one to get. If you're if you want something entry level, start with this. If you travel, oh my God, I, you know, you look at somebody like uh, Evan Pasoko, our friend Evan who has a job uh, chasing monster trucks around the country and around the world. Uh, he works for the, what did they call the monster? Is it Monster Jam? Yeah, Monster Jam. He works for Monster Jam. So he work, he lives out of a suitcase, literally. I mean, he, he's a traveling every week. He's always on a plane. He loves iRacing. Well, he could uh, like race in a you know hotel, you know, with his laptop kind of thing with, with this deal. You could put the wheel and the, the pedals probably in a backpack, you know, and, and a, with a laptop and have everything in a backpack you need to race. All right. We were just talking about Moza earlier. They have a R5 direct drive wheelbase available in a bundle for $299. Uh, well, that's just for the wheelbase, but with the pedals, you can get it for $499. That's also on the, uh, definitely on the cheap size, but five, 5 is not very powerful. How powerful is the Camus? Did we get a rating on it? It's a it's five also I believe. Okay, so this is right there in the same area. So look at the differences. So you said three hundred with pedals. This one's five hundred. They're same rating as far as newton meters. I mean, yeah, maybe the wheel looks a little wider, maybe on the R five, but I wonder but it's if you quite can choose, a bit different. I wonder if you want a formula wheel if you can choose that or if it's only that GT ish oval wheel. Yeah, I think that's the only choice on that one. This is in response, I think, to Fanatec, which I don't think I would put on the script. They lowered their uh, their small DD base uh, price, I think, fifty bucks or something. And so Moza, within a week, they did the same thing. They they put a put it on sale. Yeah, it's only like thirty dollars off normal price, but yeah. So looking at that bundle, I think it does only come with that wheel. I think that's the only option. All right, up next, we have a budget rig entitled the King Budget Rig. And um, the I don't get the symbol, L4L. Does that mean real in the title of the YouTube video? Or is, is this the King? <laughs> well, this is Tim Perry, one of our listeners, uh, video, his YouTube channel. We've talked about him in the last couple of weeks, actually. He had the Leonex wheel where he said the the screw-on connector broke loose, and he uh, initially recommended the wheel, and then he said he didn't. 
well, anyway, this is a new video he put out, uh, basically a tour of his rig. And a couple of things I gave Tim feedback on in, uh, in TeamSpeak was I love his little uh, dash. He has like a, a flat dash and he has the wheel uh, base behind it, basically hiding it. And he got the wheel kind of the, the shaft coming up through the dash. And it really gives a neat look when he's driving it, this, you know, nice and clean and black. And I really like that. The other thing that he did that I really wanted to talk about on the show is his ambient lighting uh, project. He did this roof. So see if you can find in the video a picture of the roof. I think it's at 407 in the video. You'll see the top of it. But he kind of put a roof above his head. He left a portion of it kind of cut out in the middle. And he explained that, well, the ambient lighting shines down through that hole right onto his hands. And he sees the ambient lighting on the dash and on his hands. And if you look at, uh, if we can get it. Around 421, you can see the lights. Yeah, so when you look at the lights, they're up above, kind of behind his head, shining down uh, through this kind of hole in his roof. And and the whole idea of the roof and the cutout of the roof is to keep the light from shining on the screens, which is really tricky in the ambient uh, lighting project is how do you get the lights all over the wheel, the dash, your hands, your arms, without actually getting it on, bleeding it onto the screen. And so I wanted to point out that he had a really cool idea here to kind of use the roof to kind of just, you know, flat out cut the light off of the, uh, off the screens by the position of the light, you know, reflecting down through the hole in the roof and it lines up perfectly so it doesn't hit the screen. Looks hot though. It looks really hot, and I don't think that would work in Arizona. The roof uh, thing, but a great idea, and I wanted to share that with everybody because ambient lighting is hard, guys. The the trick to ambient lighting is you got to get it close. If it's way up on the ceiling or it's too far away, it it is not effective. It's got to be right above you. Now I'll digress and tell you my solution is a little different. On top of the fourth monitor above the triples, I got some from Etsy some 3D printed uh, light arms that attach to the fourth monitor, and they just kind of hang over the fourth monitor and point straight down. And uh, by the angle of it and how far they're out, and they're literally straight over my head, they don't hit the screens, and so it works pretty good. All right, this next one's interesting because I remember you running into a lot of issues with your kind of do-it-yourself wind sims right this one is not do-it-yourself for about 61 euros 62 euros you can get them from trick wind sim and um it's it's interesting because it it uh you don't have to have the big tubes i guess you could run big tubes but but uh it's a interesting little piece yeah it, it looks solid um it's got uh, a swivel mount that's made out of metal that you attach to your 8020 rig. And then, uh, you know, uh, I, I can't tell if it's plastic or what, maybe it's metal, a mount for the fan. It's basically a computer fan that you put in this. And then it's got uh, the honeycomb uh, diffuser kind of thing, you know, three or four inches long that sticks out the front of it. 
And so the idea is no hoses. You get this thing, you know, blowing right at you, you know, off the left or right upright is probably the place you would put it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't believe in hoses. I really feel after so much experimenting with it, the hoses really diminish the amount of wind. I don't see any advantage of putting the fans farther away, uh, and having the hoses. So I love this design, no hose, uh, get the fan real close. I don't use diffusers. Um, mine aren't very powerful that maybe that's why I would be interested in this. The, the, as David kind of alluded to the mounting system I have, uh, was made up by Kyle Pendigraph. He 3d printed it on his new uh, 3d printer. And, and it's kind of flimsy to be honest. Uh, it's fallen apart a couple times. It's kind of loose. Um, it's not a great design. So it's kind of expensive though. It better be metal for that price. All right. And, um, I guess we talked about this last week, and Dave Cam has reviewed it as well. This Pro Switch Pro Switch panel review that that you've been pretty in love with as well, Mike. Yeah, this is probably my next purchase if I was wanting a button box. Wow, I love this thing. I've said it for two or three weeks since they've been advertising. It's for sale now. Uh, you can get them out there, but I didn't do it. But Dave Cam got one, and uh, he put it up on the YouTube showing it off. Uh, or he put it on the Instagram. And I think I told you guys at the time in the chat, I was like, man, let's go back in the time machine, you know, eight years ago. And instead of uh, starting a podcast, let's start an equipment review YouTube channel so I can get free stuff. How do we get free stuff being a podcast? We get one of those guys on our team. There you go. Yeah, pretty cool box. So we're talking about the Precision Sim Engineering Pro Switch Panel. Uh, kind of reminds me of uh, the little square. What what do they call the one that Bobby likes that is programmable with the little square LED buttons? What is that one called? You talking about the Stream Deck? The Stream Deck, right? This reminds me of a Stream Deck. Let's well, basically this. just got square buttons, but these are just buttons. They're not monitors. Right. And I'm guessing by the looks of it, you can't program these ones either. They're already, well, at least they're the, stickers, the, the look actually. of them. Oh, they're just stickers. Oh, okay. Yeah. I learned they're stickers and they give a bunch of stickers so you can decide what, what you put on it. And then I'm guessing you can program the lights behind it. Are those lights behind it? Are they illuminated yeah. or is that okay? So then you can program those. It, it seems like it, but I haven't gotten any detail on it. But based on all the pictures we've seen, it certainly appears so. I do like that then because, I mean, for me being in VR, it wouldn't make a big difference. But out of the corner of your eye, you could have different colors and be able to see it easier. Right. It's just a low profile, too. And then the mount, it uses a RAM mount. And if you've heard of RAM mounts... Uh, those are really neat. Um, you kind of come up to a little ball, a swivel ball, and then there's a mount that fits over the swivel ball. And that way it can turn, you know, different directions, different angles easily. All right. It's too bad we don't have any of our motion guys on here because the next one is part of a motion platform. Uh, it's from SimSeats D-Box Actuator uh, platform. And I, I guess it just lets you set your SRX or any other Sim chassis on top of it 
to get it going with with the actual motion. So I guess this is just something that allows you to attach the actuators to it. This is cool as heck. So we've seen this platform idea before from D-Box directly, but they integrated the D-Box uh, hardware underneath the platform, kind of hidden, and they they made it sideways or whatever, so it was thin. And but this is different. So this is the plat, you know, a flat platform to put your rig on, but on each corner you've got the, the normal D-Box, you know, sticking up in the air kind of thing uh, on each corner of the platform. So what a neat way to add a uh, motion. Like you could get your traditional 80-20 cockpit and then stick it on top of this and boom, you're in business. He'll do okay. powder coats uh, as well. And this one's like a, a pretty blue. So is this actually the motion rig it's itself? Is that the actual actuators? Yeah, those are actuators on each corner there. Now, the you only thing the, the cabling coming out the back to plug it in. Now it does say it's available in a two and four actuator system. How would the two system work? Cause I get the four, you'd have one on every corner, but with the two, would you just have it on either like the front or the back or how would that work? I don't know. Maybe both back. I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that one. I wouldn't want just two. <laughs> it looks really good. There are now, didn't uh, Anthony Alfredo have some version of this as well from somebody uh he had a flat d box uh platform like this as well that i forget which company that was uh i think that was a from d box as well the one that anthony alfredo was talking about so sim seats it looks like he's made this one custom and he's just you know stuck you know d box version 5 on it he's got his logo on it on one side and everything i love the powder coat blue and then it looks like you know, skateboard grip tape or something across the top, uh, you know, that the rig sits on. It, it, it's a nice look. No idea on price. But with uh, Gen 5 D-Box uh, actuators, it's not going to be cheap. All right. We, uh, another button box, SimPanel. They have their latest left and right butt boxes. So these are probably designed to, to uh, either be on the rig or attached to your base. Well, these guys have been hard advertising to me. Like I keep getting pop-up ads in my Facebook feed from these guys. And so I thought we would talk about them. Uh, they got a website here, a lot of flashy pictures. It's hard to tell exactly what they got from some of these pictures. So there's one. Okay. So yeah, it's got some nice metal looking push buttons, a four turn knobs, three switches with covers, and then an ignition. And uh, it's kind of carbon fiber front. Uh, looks like it's pretty deep box. Um, it's not thin. The back part looks plastic. $250. Now, compare this to ignition controls from Poland. Night and day difference, and it's the same price. I mean, the one from Poland's all metal. High quality buttons. Really thin box. This is like 3D printed, you know, you know. I'm just saying that the other ignition controls was a, is a great value. This one's not too bad, though. I don't know where this company's from, though. It is free shipping in the U.S. Oh, yeah, they're out of Florida, actually. So, yeah, if you're looking for button boxes, this is one to check out. I do like the, the metal push buttons. They do that differently than everybody else. Um, I don't think we've seen ones that are like a, a shiny metal. 
All right. More wheels, more wheels. Sorry, excuse my voice there. <clears throat> more wheels, right? Uh, this is a Solpec Spectra XR. We've got a long list of the specs. I'm not going to read them all to you. You can go to the website if you want to look at them. Um, but this one comes with a touchscreen display and uh, pretty kind of uh, standard Ferrari-like looking formula wheel setup. Nice. It's $1,400 euros. It's got four or five different color schemes. I love the different colors. The copper one, whoa. And yellow, the neon or yellow, I kind of like that too. There's a purple, there's a red, a black. It's kind of got that look of a Gomez wheel almost. The the way the buttons look, the colors, the color schemes, the display, everything is almost like a Gomez knockoff. I, I, I don't know who's stealing who, but... Uh, but yeah, it reminds me of a Gomez wheel. It's about the same price, a little more maybe. Now I'm having a little bit of trouble telling if it's dual paddle, dual paddle or not. Uh, yeah, it's dual paddle. What does the screw-on connector look like? Yeah, just the normal four-pin one, right? Man, the back looks pretty cool too. Yeah, the back does look cool. It is uh, up for pre-order right now. 302 millimeters, so that's pretty wide. Um, not a bad price for uh, one with a display. I mean, uh, this is a new, I don't think we've talked about this company, Solpec, S-O-E-L-P-E-C.com. Uh, I don't know where they're out of yet. I haven't figured that out. It looks like this is their first wheel. This is the only thing on their website in their products. This and then like a display screen that looks like it's for this also. Yeah, so they're new. Don't know where they're from yet, so yeah, keep that in mind if you decide to check them out. But their product looks pretty good. All right, so I if like you're it. not sure what you're uh, wanting to uh, get for your next rig, if you want to try to future-proof yourself or at least come in to uh, at a high level or you're interested in streaming, especially at a, at a really high level and you're wanting to get a bunch of different equipment, uh, this might be the thing for you. It, it's a... Uh, Quarkatized stuff, and they posted a Google Doc showing all of their sim gear and hardware. I thought this would be a really good list for some dumbass iRacer who wants to build a computer and doesn't know what to buy. It literally gives you a list of parts with links of what to buy. And then to show off what, what he can run, he's got his graphic settings that he runs. Well, what a neat way to document. I mean... I used to be clever like this, where I would make up a document of all my equipment and document my graphical settings. I think Donnie does that a little bit, doesn't he? He does stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a neat, uh, a neat uh, list. And so he's got a stream PC, he's got a desk PC, he's got a second rig PC, he's got his main rig PC. He's got four PCs listed here. And so when you look at the big one, yeah, forty ninety i9 13900 you know uh, uh motherboard asus z790p prime you got 32 gig of ddr5 memory 4000 uh, uh d corsair case like i'm always looking for good case ideas and so like i might go click on that case and say wow maybe that's the one i want so i save this in my favorites uh in my emails and i'm going to be looking at this and trying to reconcile it with my own uh, 
PC list that I'm kind of working on as far as building a new computer and see if I might want to change some parts out, maybe match up with what this guy's doing, or at least see what he's buying. I, the other thing that's neat about this is if you scroll to the right, you're going to get a list of his rig equipment as well. You know, he's got Gomez, he's got Heiskenveld, Thrustmaster, SimLab, you know, and so forth. Pretty cool. That should almost go into our quick links. Um, it is definitely pretty cool. We got one more before we move on to the results, and it's from Douglas Thomas, Mac. Yeah, it's a video here from Douglas Thomas. It's a SimLab SP1 rally package. So it's got a it looks like it's got their paddle shifters, which are these massive paddle shifters, and their uh, their carbon fiber. Uh, it's got the X one, the the load cell handbrake. Yeah, that's right. It is just one, just one shifter. The push pull. Pretty cool. Uh, he he talks about how easy it was to kind of pick up on the push pull because that's new. I mean, traditional paddles on the back of a Formula One wheel is is how we're used to shifting, but with this one, you're pushing it towards you you're you're pushing it away from you and so he was talking about you're using the back of your fingers not the front of your fingers but the back of your fingers to push it away from you and it and he actually said that the it's a little bit rough and it was a little rough on his skin a little sharp on the edge and that was his only real drawback to the product was oh, it was a little sharp on the back of my fingers as i was flicking it and, and he really just flicks it is what he does and as you watch him use the the, the shifter and, and going up and down through gears, especially on a formula car where you're going through so many gears, it looks very easy to use. And and I imagine uh, I would be interested in having this on some kind of wheel just as a convenience. Like when I ran Chicago today and yesterday, I'm pretty much driving one-handed because I got one hand on my shifter. And I was thinking, man, if I had something like this, I would have both hands on my wheel the whole race. So there's also a brake, uh, you know, that comes with it, a handbrake as part of the package. Uh, he likes the handbrake. He said the handle is the right size. Uh, he, he complained about some of the other brands, handbrakes that are so tiny that you end up grabbing the shaft because the, the handle is so small. Um, but this one has a proper size handle. It's got a nice grip texture to it um no flex at all he wasn't a fan of the colors i mean if you look at the colors on the the handbrake it's got this blue and this gold uh two different parts on that i don't know what parts they are but they got a blue part and a gold part and um i don't know he wasn't a fan of the colors and i might not be too i mean everything on my rig is either black or blue and so i don't know if i would buy that just because it has yellow on it I think they were trying to almost go follow the Subaru colors. Make it look, yeah, maybe that's what it is, yeah. Because all the all the Subarus that they have, like in their videos here too, they're blue with that, that yellow on them. So I think that's what they were doing. He also said, uh, easy to adjust, no tools necessary. You can take it apart with your hands to make the adjustments. The handbrake and the... Uh, that push pull shifter they're 250 each it seems like that's a lot for that break 
I mean, the brake is a pretty simple device, you know, or 250, man. Now, is there other hand brakes that are load cell? I think so. I mean, all the other ones. I mean, Jinx is the one that always captures my imagination. The Jinx hand brakes. They have these those ones where they have two or three handles in a row where you have the uh, hand brake, a shifter, and this or that. I don't even know what they use them all for. NASCAR iRacing Series and finish up last week Nashville Friday Open I ran a P16 green flag race the whole way no cautions now how rare is that no cautions in an NIS race none I ran as high as second actually I ended up doing a two-stop race actually blew my uh, tire uh, well pitting on the second time like I knew I needed tires and so I pulled it down the pit road and as I was coming to the box, the tire went down, the meatball flag came up and uh, wow, what good timing. Tony Rochette, a P4. He said, car number between the father-son duo that they're them spiker boys. He qualified crap, just moseyed my way to the front, almost had second as second and third wrecked each other just before the checker, and they slid across the line just a hair before I did. Justin P3, great run. Uh, David P13. Yeah, I don't remember if I was, I don't think I was top split in this one. And um, once again, I'm running around, some guy in the front spins, goes through the grass, doesn't know how to recover his car in the grass, comes right back up at the track and missiles me. Um, somehow the car was still drivable, but I had to fix a minute's worth of damage or something. It definitely lost all the track position and really just the way it fell with all the pit stops and the cautions, I could, I could never get it back. Should have been a top 10 car. All right, and then Sunday open, P11, top split. Yeah, did I put any details in there on this one? I said avoid two big wrecks. Yeah, there was there's a couple of big ones right in front of me, avoided them, and uh, then just kept it alive and ran P11. So uh, things turned around a little bit at Nashville. Uh, I definitely got some eye rating back and finally had some good finishes. That was a track where we had a lot of long runs and I could, that really paid off for me. Now, I think Tom ran, but we don't have his result. I know he didn't gain any more points. I had a 75-point lead on Tom leaving Nashville. All right, Sunday fix, Stephen Llewellyn wrecked out. I ran, I got a P24. Wow, I was running pretty good about mid-pack, and I got hit down to the grass and sent to the back and never really recovered after that. All right, moving on to Wednesday Open Chicago. I ran a P7, wow, proud of that. I started 17th. They piled up in turn one. We saw smoke, David was yelling, and I, cause we were side by side. I went to the inside, stayed really low to get around it. I got up to P10 by the end of lap one, pretty much stayed there the whole race. Uh, pitted for fuel when the window opened. I didn't think I took enough fuel, I kind of panicked. Was going to add more fuel and then the car engine stopped and I couldn't get it restarted. I finally got it restarted. It was like a 25 second stop. Eventually, uh, I went back out and uh, with attrition and everything else, I cycled to P7. I will take it. Tom Dryling ran, his screen froze and uh, 
he had to reboot iRacing um, and I don't know where he finished. I think it was 12th maybe. And then David, you were running in my split and you wrecked out as you were pitting. Well, before it was, I was getting ready to pit and then that lap, I just went too hard into turn three or no, not three, four, the, the double turn, the double right-hander. I just went in a little too hard and put the corner on the wall and that was it, meatball. I was running about 15 seconds ahead of you at that point for the most part. Um, yeah. Just one little mistake is all it takes. Yeah, once things settled out, I you came up to me and I let you go and you kept on going. So you were going to have a good run for sure. All right. So uh, after last night, I checked the points. I'd gained uh, from 75 to 100 over Tom. And so then I ran again today at Thursday Open, and I told you guys, man, I hope I make top split so I can make some more points. And I did. Uh, it was top split. Matt Busa was in there. Matt won the race. Um, I ran P12. Now, P12 actually paid 10 more points than my P7 did the night before because I was in a higher split. So I'll take it. Higher points. Uh, I actually qualified 15th of 33. I got to 14th by the end of lap one. I ended up spinning by myself in the S's on lap two. And then I fell back to 25th after that. I eventually recovered to finish 12th. I can't believe the recovery. Such a fun race. I was fast. I was getting faster. I ran my fastest lap of, ever at the track uh, in the race. Um, I was coming up through there. Uh, um, at least the, of the guys that were not good, I was at the front of those guys uh the people that weren't wrecking that were good on road they were you know first through 11th and so i got best of the rest i'll call it and i'll take the p12 and that's it that's all the results we have so final thoughts david hall not gonna be racing as much this week because one chicago two got a show coming up so uh just not gonna not gonna get to run friday any any friday for the next two weeks uh I enjoy playing the shows too. So I can't do leagues because a lot of times my weeknights will start to get taken up with, with performing. And that's the beauty of NIS too. You know, you can run it on a Wednesday, you can run it on a Thursday, you can run it on a Friday, a Sunday. And so, you, you know, it can work with your personal schedule a lot. You can at least try to get a start. Yep. That's why I prefer that over a league that's committed to only one night. All right. Mackenzie Stevens, final thought. Yeah, I've been, uh, been really busy with work lately i didn't get to run last week haven't got to run yet this week i think i'll give chicago a try i don't know i'm not not too confident i'll be able to get it around the track very well but i'm definitely gonna at least give it a try and run some practice laps and see if i can get the hang of that track keep at it i mean don't be discouraged i i was like denny hamlin i couldn't get a lap in to save my life when i first started practicing um but once you get it down uh it's fun like i said it, it you really can be aggressive and and push it and try to you know roll those corners and i had a, so much fun with chicago i i'm looking forward to running it again actually all right my final thoughts uh yeah chasing a championship um i'm glad tom is my teammate and he's running against me and he's keeping me honest he's making me earn it i don't know if i'm gonna earn it but damn Weeks like this, 
really make me feel like, man, maybe I can do it when I extend that points lead from 75 to 110. And so uh, 110 points over him, that's not a lot, but um, hopefully, knock on wood, I can keep getting these great finishes and keep it. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.